And before I welcome up our speaker again, another fun fact is that he and his wife actually host their own podcast. Yeah. It's, it's called A Word from Our Outpost, and it discusses topics relevant to the formation of their apostolate. So please welcome back Joseph Gruber. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Direct, O Lord, our actions by thy holy inspiration, and carry them on by thy gracious assistance, that every word and work of ours may begin in thee, and by thee be happily ended. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good afternoon to you. Thank you. I wanted to share a brief word about why I'm here before I begin the lesson in full. One reason is that I'm a parish missionary, and I am a living representation that, yes, there is life after the college campus. So I stand before you iconic of the fact that for most of us, our life does not end post-focus And for most of our students, their lives do not end post-campus. That is a reason that I am here. A good one. To teach these classes is primarily why I'm here. And I wanted to let you know a little bit of the gravity by which I take that. It is an incredible honor to be before you to share a little bit about how to pray. The weight of it is, a little less than a week ago, my wife's father passed away, rather suddenly, cancer, very precipitous decline. My wife would rather that I be here before you, teaching you about prayer, than being with her to console her right now. She thinks that much of prayer. My younger brother is going to be ordained to the diaconate tomorrow. He probably would prefer me to be there, but he is at least harboring no ill will toward me because he knows the importance of what we are discussing. That is not to say that I will discuss it in such a way that is worthy of either of their sacrifices, but that the subject matter is worthy of that kind of attention. This afternoon, I'm going to be speaking to you about Ignatian contemplation. How many of you are familiar with Ignatian contemplation? Raise of hands. A little bit less than with Lexio, still mostly like, why am I even here? Great. (laughs) So today, for the roadmap, I will first talk about what Ignatian contemplation is, broad strokes, go through a little bit more particularly what St. Ignatius Councils for Ignatian Contemplation, and then we'll have an opportunity to practice. This accords well with our ASPAT. All students should be able to (laughs) say that this class provided an opportunity for you to try Ignatian Contemplation. All students should be able to say that this class enabled you 
to describe the method of Ignatian contemplation. This one, the other one, it's four steps, right? Lexio, meditatio, oratio, contemplatio. It just flows off the tongue. Real easy, simple. This one, if you aren't taking notes, I don't know why you're not. You should probably take notes. And then finally, this class inspired you to use Ignatian contemplation in your own prayer life. That always remains to be seen, doesn't it? Can we trust our imaginations? I think this is really the crux of the matter here, because if we don't address this question, we're not going to use Ignatian contemplation in our prayer. And I think there are reasons why some of us might distrust our imaginations. One, our imaginations are relatively underdeveloped. It's a kind of muscle that is atrophied. We've been fed steady streams of images from early childhood on. So our ability to actually summon up images, maybe we're not so sure how to do that even. We've been very reliant on consuming images rather than producing them as part of our imaginative faculty. And then the other elephant in the room when it comes to our imaginations, not only have we been fed a steady stream of imaginative content from other people's minds, many of those people have had quite perverted minds and many of us have filled our minds with things that we wish we hadn't. And so our imagination we see is this thing that maybe, uh, as Christophanic said, our, our minds are a dark, dangerous place and we should never go in alone. And so we might think, well, I shouldn't pray imaginatively because I have no idea what might crop up. We have no idea what might pop through. Right. Because anything could happen when you go into a land of what might seem to be pure imagination. And it's something to be, to be aware of. This is a serious question. The answer to it, I think, I get to propose at my home every evening at six o'clock. As dinner is finishing off, bells start tolling, coming from my wife's iPad. And whatever we've been discussing at the dinner table, my wife and I, our children, dinner guests, as long as they're at least Christian, because when it's atheists or agnostics over, it's a little bit more awkward. At 6 p.m., I stop everyone and I say, ladies and gentlemen, I have good news. Ladies and gentlemen, I have life-changing news. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. And this is good news for our imaginations. This is incredible news for our imaginations. St. Gregory Nazianzus said, what has not been assumed has not been healed. What has not been assumed has not been healed. When Jesus became incarnate in the womb of Mary, he took on all of our human nature, not just our intellect as a, a rational faculty, but also our imagination. Had he not done so, uh, perhaps we would have more reason to be trepidatious 
about using our imaginative faculty. But Jesus did. And this is good news. This is most excellent news. Because he took upon our imagination, which means he wants to meet us also in our imagination. which means we should meet him in our imagination. A corollary to this, right? He assumed our nature that we might be healed. A corollary to this might be that what we have concealed cannot be healed. So if we conceal our imagination from God, then maybe we're not allowing him to heal it. So that's, that's to establish some groundwork for saying, yes, we can pray imaginatively in prayer. Hopefully that does something. If you'd like to talk more about this, I'll be here until Sunday afternoon. All right, the structure of prayer for Ignatian contemplation. There are five preparatory elements, and I'll walk through each one of them. There's the body of the prayer, and I'll walk through the three pieces of that. And then there's the concluding elements, and there are two things there. So this is, the structure of the prayer is five things, and then three things, and then two things, which, that's a lot of things. This is why I want you to take notes. The five preparatory elements. One, a gaze toward God and an act of reverence. Two, a preparatory prayer. I will go even more slowly through this. Don't worry. Each one of these will get its own slide. I assure you. A review of the passage to be prayed with. The composition of place in our minds. And then a moment to ask for a particular grace. So this first preparatory element. This most often is accomplished just as we walk into a church to pray and we look to the tabernacle and we genuflect. I teach my children to bend the knee. That's literally what genuflect means. Genu means knee, flect means bend. To bend the knee toward God in the tabernacle. I was gonna tell you that I teach them to say, hello Jesus, but I don't. I teach them to say, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, which, you know, some people like the cuteness of hello Jesus, but that's not what I teach them. You guys are very still. Are you all awake? Okay, great, great. This is a tough one because there are a lot of steps involved with this. St. Ignatius was very attentive that you guys know what you're doing because he wanted people to know like, yeah, these are things you should do. These are things that will help you enter into prayer. But again, it's a little bit dry when you abstract it from the reality, right? When we talk about how to have a conversation with someone, the gaze of God and an act of reverence, this is also very similar. Whenever I go home, I sit in the car, hopefully, and remind myself of who I'm about to see. I'm about to see my beloved wife, which means I should clear my mind of other things, which means I should be thinking, oh, my wife, I, I like her. I, I want to be with her. And then I walk in and I see her. And sometimes my urge is to immediately say something other than, hello, I love you. And I, I need to fight that. 
because sometimes it's very easy to get straight into things that seem more pressing. But there is actually nothing more pressing than loving my wife well. When we go to pray, there's nothing more pressing than being attentive to and loving toward God as well. So I will stand for the space of an Our Father, a step or two before the place where I am to meditate or contemplate, and with my mind raised on high, consider that God our Lord beholds me. Then I will make an act of reverence or humility. This is especially helpful to remember if you're not going to a church to pray, if during phase two you're not going to make a holy hour before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament or in uh, an adoration chapel, to say wherever I am going to pray, I will stop for a moment before I reach that chair, before I reach that little kneeler, before I reach the park we're going to go for a walk with Jesus. And just stand there for the moment and to pray in our Father, realizing that the Father is looking at us, looking at me, looking at you. That's the first step. Again, natural corollary. We, we do this hopefully before we meet with someone, before you meet with a mission partner, when you're going to go fundraise or potential mission partner. Never presume. I taught MPD for many years. Never presume that the person you're meeting with is going to make a gift. When you're meeting with the person who is beloved by God, whether they give or don't, to be attentive, like, this is a real person I'm going to meet. Just a helpful thing. Second, preparatory prayer. In the preparatory prayer, I will beg God our Lord for grace that all my intentions, actions, and operations may be directed purely to the praise and service of his divine majesty. So that, that initial act of surrender. I really love the prayer Direct, O Lord, our actions by thy holy inspiration and carry them on by thy gracious assistance, that every word and work of ours may begin in thee and by thee be happily ended. I really love that prayer. It just seems to capture a lot of that. But to have a prayer to say like, yeah, Lord, I'm here for you. I I want you to grace everything that's about to happen. That makes sense, right? Like, It's like saying, welcome home to a spouse who has just come home. It's like, I I want to be here, present with you, to say that to the person. Three, review the passage. So Ignatian contemplation, like Lexio Divina, is a prayerful reading of scripture. So similarly with Lexio Divina, finding a passage relatively short, that you had in mind already to use. Uh, with Lexio Divina, uh, oftentimes people stay mostly with the Gospels with Lexio Divina, and that seems to make sense. With Ignatian contemplation, oftentimes to choose passages where there is some action taking place, like you know how Matthew's Gospel is punctuated by five discrete speeches that he gives. The speeches are sometimes less helpful for Ignatian contemplation unless you really like sitting in the crowd listening to Jesus for a while, which we probably should, but as far as like an engaging imaginative moment, it may be a little bit lacking versus some of the healings or some of the miracles or some of the other interactions. So Lexio Divina, I would say, go nuts with it. Ignatian contemplation, maybe like, oh, this would be a fun passage to pray imaginatively with. So take a moment, read through the passage, 
Notice the setting, who is present, what is happening. Then the composition of place is the fourth preparatory element. Imagine the scene, engage all five senses from the ground up. If it's by the Sea of Galilee, can you smell the seashore or the sea? Or I don't know what, ex what exactly smells around seas, but whatever that is, can you smell that thing? Uh, are you thinking about how blue the sky is or how green the fields are? Some of my friends just came back from the Holy Land on one of the first pilgrimages post-pandemic. And one of the things that they said struck them the most about the area around Galilee is how green it was. It's like, I always imagined it brown. All right, I'll fix that. And this, you don't have to rush. Take your time just to, to allow the, the scene to unfold a little bit in your mind's eye. I will say there are some people who literally have no imagination as far as we can tell. I was teammates with such a man. Oh, you guys think I'm joking. There have been like literal studies. I was reading about one where they tested pupil dilation uh, under different circumstances, both when they're exposed to real light and when they're imagining light. And people without an imagination, their pupils don't dilate when they're imagining light because they're not imagining light because they don't have imaginations. I don't know if those such people can imagine other sensations like touch or sound, but here's hoping that it's not just a visual experience. I myself find it very difficult sometimes to imagine the scene very visually, but oftentimes the activity going on will be really striking. I can feel that happening. I can feel the, the grasping of a hand. I can feel the, uh, the weight of, uh, not very much it gets carried, I guess, in the Bible, but you know, if something were to be carried, I would imagine the weight of it or the feeling of being on a pallet, being lowered down uh, through the hole in the, in the ceiling. So whatever senses you do have under some control, make use of them. The fifth one, asking for grace. We go to pray, first and foremost, because it is right and proper to give God glory, right? This is, this is what everything is pointing toward. The reason we work is not for profit, but for prayer. Everything in our lives is actually directed toward prayer. That being said, part of prayer is asking for grace, that I may have a whole new lived experience of your infinite and personal love for me, Jesus. That would be a great grace, right? Wouldn't that be cool if today Jesus said yes to that when you asked? Wouldn't it be incredible if Jesus said yes when you ask that I may be amazed and overwhelmed with joy and gratitude because of your healing and merciful love for me, Jesus. Like, I don't know about you. I would be a better husband and father and friend if he gave me this grace. And oftentimes the thing that is lacking is me asking for it. So this is me giving you permission to ask for grace. If, if you want it. All right. Sweep your heart for any particular desires. 
Sometimes there are feelings we have like loneliness or confusion to, to sense that and say, oh, loneliness, I desire your company, Lord. Or confusion, I desire your wisdom, Lord. Oh, that's what that feeling means. It's like when I feel hungry and I wander around my house and tell my wife, I have this weird feeling. It's like in my, I'm kind of tired, but also like my stomach is doing something. And I'm like, I don't know exactly what to do. And my wife will say, are you hungry? I'm like, well, maybe, but I don't know what to do. And she said, well, why not eat? Well, I have, I have nothing to, uh, to say to that. You are right, as always. Three very important words in prayer, three very word, important words in marriage. You are right. All right, so the structure of the prayer, uh, the five preparatory elements. Again, um, so the first few seem to make sense as far as like we're going to have a conversation with someone, we should be attentive to them and acknowledge them. And then what are we going to be talking to them about? Have that clearly in mind. Like, here's the scene. This is what I want to talk to you about. And this is what I would like from the encounter. Always and forever saying, thy will be done, not mine, Lord. Whatever it is you want to give me, clearly that is better. I think we can all agree that at least intellectually, we can agree that what God wants to give us is better than what we want. Getting a few head nods. Okay. <sighs> Does anybody else want to just give a big stretch and feel a little bit more awake? Yeah, yeah. okay. Just, just take a minute and stand up. And just stretch a little bit. Thank you. Yeah. You're feeling it? Post-lunch. Okay. All right. And we're back. Now, now here's, here's a... I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make a random proposal. As you're sitting down, try sitting as if the rest of my talk is going to be important. So five preparatory elements. St. Ignatius really wants you to encounter Jesus Christ and his merciful love. He does. That's why he says, be prepared for it. So much of life we miss because we're just not prepared to receive. So take the time to prepare. It doesn't take actually all that long to do these things. So don't forget, it's, it's like good manners, you know? The body of the prayer comes next, and then we'll do concluding elements. The body of the prayer Look at the people, listen to the words, observe the action. Look at the people, so pay attention to proper nouns and most other nouns. Listen to the words, so everything in quotation marks. And then observe the action. Look at the verbs. And then imagine them, hear them, see them. 
This has been huge for me. I'm not a very imaginative prayer. One of the passages I first really prayed imaginatively with was the man with the withered hand and hearing Jesus say to him, come here, and then telling him to stretch out his hand and realizing, oh my goodness, here is by Jesus, and to stretch out his hand is to do the one thing that he can't do because his hand is withered. If I hadn't taken the time to try to imagine what that would be like, I never would have sensed that Jesus was actually calling me to stand with him and that he was calling me to learn how to reach out my hand toward other people. That, that was literally when I made the decision to apply to become a focus missionary is because I saw Jesus standing in a spotlight saying, come here, stretch out your hand. And I just wanted to be with him. And I just wanted to do the thing that I didn't think I really could do. But he said he could, that I could do it if, if he told me to do it. I could do it. So look at the people. Take the place of different people. What, is it, what does it feel like to be paralyzed? You don't have to move very much. That's helpful. It's not like you're going to be wriggling around in the pew trying to imagine that. Listen to the words. How did Jesus sound when he said what he said? There are lines when I think, when I, my first glance, they look a little harsh. But every time I hear them in the, in the mouth of Jesus, they're the most loving words I could possibly imagine. Observe the action. What is being done? Also, as a little like weird thing, you could also imagine what would happen if this didn't, didn't happen. Like, you know, th these characters, they had free will. What would have happened if the man with a withered hand went up? He told him, stretch out his hand. And he's like, no, thanks. It's like, what, what would that have done? What would that have been like? Like the actions are not like uh, a foregone conclusion. They're actually incredibly surprising. We should be incredibly surprised by what happens. We're very familiar with words of scripture, and that is good. We should never be complacent with the words of scripture. Jesus never does what I think he ought to do, because I am so wrong and he is so right. So observing what he does, listening to what he says. If you have trouble imagining any of this, guess what? You're in the position of one of the blind men. And you can just be a blind man listening to this being narrated. And that's your imaginative prayer, ladies and gents, until Jesus gives you an imagination. Some bits of advice. Allow yourself the freedom to move among the different persons in this particular scene and the parts of your soul that are moved. You can ask people questions. You can ask Jesus questions. You can put yourself in the shoes of one of them and ask the question from their point of view to Jesus.
When something moves you, stay there. Don't feel like you have to finish the whole passage. Adjust your expectations. St. Ignatius says that it is not in knowing many things, but in savoring profound things interiorly that the soul is satisfied. It is not in knowing many things, but in savoring profound things interiorly that the soul is satisfied. (sighs) Concluding elements, a colloquy and an Our Father. The colloquy, this is an intimate sharing with God of my thoughts, feelings, and desires, and memories that have stirred up in this prayer period. It's not an uncommon thing for imaginatively to be in a scene in scripture and then to imaginatively be in some place in our past. You don't have to be afraid about that. Be willing to talk to God about that. Anything that's stirred up, as you're wrapping up, you can just take three to five minutes and tell God about it. It deepens the experience of intimacy with God. So an example would be, I imagine myself with the Father. I look into my heart and offer to the Father whatever I find, and then I pose it to him, awaiting a response. That can be a question, a petition, an apology, a smile, tears, a song, praise, fears, insecurities. Whatever's in your heart, you have things in your heart, even if it's nothing. It's like the blank inside Hallmark cards. Sorry you feel so blank inside. Have you heard that one? Brian Regan? Yeah, you, you know it. Yes, yes. And then you can do the same with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. Just come before them and say, Jesus, this is, this is what has happened in this imaginative moment with you. This is what's been going on. Holy Spirit, this is what's been moving in me. I'm surrendering it to you. Then conclude with an Our Father. This is just a good spiritual practice. Anytime we finish up a a period of prayer to finish with an Our Father. Jesus taught it to us. At the very least, we said the most perfect prayer. That's good. Uh, This is also a time to journal briefly about any of the graces received, any of the questions that have come up. This is a great time to just jot down some notes. Uh, Yeah, that's the conclusion. Common pitfalls, judging our prayer while we're in the middle of it. Being like, this isn't prayer. This is just like me recreating a scene from Iron Man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a parish missionary because of scenes from Iron Man that entered into my prayer. So work with what you've got, okay? (laughs) Overthinking our prayer. Are we praying to an idea or a person? We're there. Don't, don't overthink it. You can get sidetracked by negative thoughts or feelings. These are things to be given over to God. These are things to be saying, like, this is truly how I feel. I don't need to indulge it. I need to give it. Uh, and then not allowing prayer to lead us to life-changing resolution, saying, you know, this was a really great retreat from reality, Lord. Now that I'm entering into the real world, I'm not going to do anything different. That's weird, ladies and gentlemen. That is a weird approach to prayer. Prayer should be changing our lives. We should be more loving because we have prayed.
So all students should be able to say that this class provided an opportunity for me to try Ignatian contemplation. We will have about 10 minutes for that. It enabled you to describe the method of Ignatian contemplation. If you took notes, That, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, check, check. And say that this class inspired you to use Ignatian contemplation in your own prayer life. Great. So what we're going to do, we're, we have 10 minutes. We're going to pray with the passage that we prayed with earlier to make the composition part easier. So take a moment. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and sit down, but metaphorically stand up and sit down and in that moment have a gaze toward God the Father who holds us in being. Also pull out your Bibles, sure. I'll pray a preparatory prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Direct, O Lord, our actions by thy holy inspiration, and carry them on by thy gracious assistance, that every word and work of ours may begin in thee and by thee be happily ended. Amen. A review of the passage. This is Jesus coming down the hill of uh, the Mount of Transfiguration to see a crowd with some argumentation going on. A father has a son who has a dumb spirit, and he desires healing for the son. The son is brought before Jesus, and he's laying there, convulsed, foaming at the mouth as one dead. Jesus rebukes the spirit and reaches down and grabs his hand and draws him upward, and he arises. Then he gives the son back to the father, and then he goes off into a house where the disciples ask him, why, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus answers, some, some demons are only cast out by prayer and fasting. So that's the general scene. You're familiar with it from this morning. Take a moment to imagine it. How green the hillside must have been. Jesus walking with Peter, James, and John behind him, who have just seen him transfigured. All of the other disciples have been trying to hold down the fort and not doing a good job of it. A man with his son, a son who's probably being carried, it seems like. If you're having trouble imagining anything, you can open your eyes for a moment. Here's a picture. I'll get out of the way. Here's another picture. The lights are very bright, so it's hard to see. Here's another picture. If that helps with the composition. Then ask Jesus for grace in this moment. This is a short moment of prayer. God can grace short moments of prayer.
And now for about five minutes, you can observe the people, hear the words, and watch the action unfold. I'll read it aloud. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd about them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a dumb spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it dashes him down. And he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has he had this? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. Take a moment for a brief colloquy. Relate to God the Father what has been going on in your mind and in your heart. Relate to Jesus what has been going on in your mind and heart. And to the Holy Spirit what has been going on in your mind and in your heart. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May I share briefly? Is that all right? I've been very struck by the motion of Jesus reaching down his hand and raising him and the corresponding he, aro- he, he arose. Like Jesus propelled him upward, but then it's almost redundant and he arose, except that that means that he was participating in the act of getting up. Jesus gave him the power to rise up. He called for him to cooperate. And I was in that moment of being like one dead and being just like, Jesus, this is kind of nice. If I don't have to get up, I don't have to make any mistakes. Fire and water are out there. I've had a pretty horrible life so far. I could just be dead right now. Thank you. 
And all I could see was his hand in my hand. And then suddenly I could see his face behind his hand. And I like, oh, wait, no, life with you. That's what you're inviting me to. You're asking me to get up to be with you, to live a life with you. I guess I could do that, Lord. Sure. Today, I'll get up. And that, that was what was going on in my prayer, lady and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. No one has a right to what happens in our prayer, but we can share the fruit of our prayer if we so desire. Just FYI, people can't demand that you share what happened in prayer. If, if anyone ever tries to do that, you're like, you know, my secret is my own. But if you'd like to share, you may. And I hope you have much to share in the days, weeks, months, years, and yes, even decades to come. Thank you.